too. So if you, if you have things, you're like, I would love to just talk to a, a pastor, an elder, and just have somebody pray with me, come Thursday. Because uh, we're going to have kind of corporate prayer, and then we're just going to split up um, and uh, kind of have one-on-one, and we'll be available. So come and invite some people. Invite some people to come that might just need prayer. So that's Thursday, 630. Uh, we'll send out more communication about that. Um, so today we're going to be talking about government. I don't know how many of you saw the Facebook post. We put it up yesterday. And how many of you are super excited about this topic? But because of time, we're going to get kind of right into it. Here's the question. What do we as Jesus followers do when we're under a corrupt and evil uh, government or ruler? Now, just so you know, our, I believe our country right now, our government, is still the best that the world has ever seen. Is it godly? No. <laughs> I, I mean, it does, is it on God's side of promoting righteousness? No. Um, but it's, it's still probably the best the world has ever seen. So for us, I mean, we're going to be wrestling through this, but there's other places in the world that don't have nearly what we have. I, I appreciated Paul last week talking about, you know, masks. It's a booger having to wear masks. But guess what? When we come in here, even though we have to wear a mask, there's other places in the world where if people are seen going into a church, they could lose their lives because of it. So, so a little bit of perspective But when, so the question is, you know, when do we disobey government? When do we submit to government? What does that look like? And we are extremely blessed uh, in that scripture is actually pretty clear. Um, Romans 13, this is where we're going to be. Turn to Romans 13. This is what I love about our God. Well, I love a lot of things. But I, I love that he's really clear. You know, he's not vague about what he wants from us. And this is one of those where, where different people land in different spots, but there's some things that are actually pretty black and white, and God says, this is what I want from you, the people that I love, the people that I gave my life for. Uh, and so we're going to look at that in Romans 13. Now, a little bit of context. The Apostle Paul wrote this book. Uh, he wrote it to the church in Rome, so he's writing to Christians. So these are believers. This isn't a, a, an evangelical book, as in it's for evangelism, although it is. You know, it's used for that, but it's really for his people, for God's people, saying, here, here's how we should live um, in and among the world. And so Rome, when he's writing to Rome, this was during, I mean, the height of, of the Roman Empire, really. Uh, they had been an empire when this was written for about 90 years. If you know Roman history at all, they were actually a republic with a senate, that you know, representative, and then that changed. And when it changed, things got a little bit worse. Uh, the emperor at the time is Nero, if you've ever heard about Nero. Some historians think he was actually insane. Uh, after this, about seven years after this was written, there would be a great fire in Rome. Um, some say Nero even started it. Anyway, it, it, it spawned this persecution where Nero blamed the Christians for the fire. And it was during that time when they started bringing them into the Colosseum and Christians were killed by animals. Uh, Paul was killed during that persecution. Peter was killed during that persecution. Um, But this is still, this is Nero's time. This persecution hadn't broken out yet. But here it's argued that there was maybe uh, two-thirds of the population in the Roman Empire were slaves. You know, and it wasn't the same as slavery maybe in our history, but it wasn't just. You know, it wasn't right. Uh, their, Their taxation also, it was not just. Uh, tax collectors could come and they could basically set their own price and take as much as they could from you and give a piece to the government and then also make themselves rich. Not, not fair. Um, a Roman soldier, if he was traveling through your town, by law, could make you carry his stuff for a mile. So he'd be like, hey, I don't care what you're doing right now, but I need help with this pack. 
and we're going to go a mile. And actually, Jesus would address that. You know, Scripture would talk about that. Hey, if somebody makes you walk a mile, walk two. You know, just kind of this idea of it's not fair, run with it. You know, show Christ and be different with that. So my point in that is their situation, way worse than ours right now, which makes these words very relevant to us. And here's, here's the other reason I want to talk about this. We, were, we had an elder meeting this week and just talking about, about government and our obedience and submission and what that looks like and really talked about there's going to be coming a time probably soon where we're, we might experience real persecution. There is some persecution happening in our country in, in certain ways, but it's nothing like we've had around the world, but that might come. And I, I look at my kids and think, it might not be in my lifetime. It might be, but it, it might be in your, are we ready? I, I mean, are we ready to, to actually have, to be the enemy of, of the state? Are we ready? Like China, it's illegal. It's illegal to be a Christian. Crazy thing though, the church has been exploding for 70 years while they've made it illegal. So, so God, I, I mean, this, that's what I was thinking about during this song. God's working. You know, no matter what the world does to try and squash the gospel, God's like, <laughs> I'm bigger than you. Um, so with, with God being bigger in mind, let's look, if you would, at Romans 13, starting in verse 1. It writes, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Show of hands, who loves those two verses? I, I mean, that is really, okay, not a show of hands, but, but that's really clear. He lays out right here that Jesus' followers are called to submit to governing authorities. Now, is there a time to not submit? We'll get to that. But in general, this is kind of general principles from God through the Apostle Paul. Remember, all Scripture is inspired by God. This is inspired by God. It's what God wanted us to, to hear and see. Our role is to be subject, to be in submission. Uh, the Apostle Peter writes something similar in 1 Peter 2, 13 to 14. He says, be subject... For the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him. And he goes on. Peter would go on there to talk about submission in the family, submission in the workplace. Uh, so submission for the Christian is a big deal. You know, we're called to submit to one another. And, and submission is this idea from a heart of placing yourself under somebody else. It's a willing thing. You know, we do it on purpose. We submit. And I like what Peter says there uh, in First Peter, that we submit for the Lord's sake. So he really clarifies there, and we see here in Romans 13 as well, we submit for the Lord's sake, not because, and by the way, if you are alive, you are in some form of submission somewhere. I mean, there's government. If you're an employee, you have an employer. I mean, we have these roles of where we are to submit but it is willingly placing ourselves under that authority. There's humility involved in that. There's respect involved in that, respect for the authority. That's what submission is. Submission, and we talk about this when we talk about kids with parents. Submission isn't just blind obedience. You know, it's not that, hey, uh, at least go clean your room. Yeah, I got your attention. Now you're paying attention. <laughs> at least go clean your room. She's like, fine, I'm going to clean my room, you know, go in and throw stuff around. You know, that's not... Submission, that's obedience, but there's no respect there. You know, it's like a forced biblical submission is more of a, okay, I, I might not want to, but I, I will do whatever this is 
with a heart of, of no grumbling, of complaining. You know, submission is, again, it's a heart. It's from our heart. Um, and we submit for the Lord's sake. For a Jesus follower, submission is a heart response of obedience because of a commitment to Jesus, not the earthly authority. This is a big deal for us, especially right now when our government's doing things and you're like, that is so stupid. Now that is so stupid. doesn't matter. It, it, you know what I mean? This doesn't say follow the rulers or the leaders when they're doing a good job. Follow them only when they're smarter than you. It doesn't say that. You know, and again, it's the same. You ever been an employee? There's probably been times where you're like, I know a lot more than this guy, this guy, whatever it is. Or they're asking me to do something stupid and, and we're called to submit under that. Again, it includes respect, not because the person is worthy. You know, our perfect example now, um, and I think this is being recorded, so if you're listening to this later, right now it is 2020, during this pandemic, and we're all wearing masks, and it's really weird. Um, but this past week, uh, I, or it was maybe two weeks ago, I, I went somewhere and I saw a friend, uh, a godly person, and, and he was not wearing a mask. And I said, hey, where's your mask? He says, well, my doctor says it's best not to wear masks, that the, the science actually proves that it's worse to be wearing masks, you know, whatever. And so I'm, I'm submitting to my medical authorities with this different view. I says, is that what the Bible says? You know, I said, does the Bible say obey if your doctor agrees? O obey the authority if it's good for your health? You know, and... and I'm proud of him as we looked at the word, and I showed him what, what the word says. He went, okay, yeah, right. And so his heart of humility to submit then, and now he, he sent me a picture the next day wearing a mask out, wherever he was. Um, but, but that's how, who we are as believers. When we see the word, we obey for the Lord's sake. And, and we have the freedom. For me, there's a lot of freedom, even in this mask thing. I don't like it. You know, we can debate it, whatever. I am free to obey my God and wear the dang thing, even though I can't breathe very, whatever. I mean, you can go down the list, um, but we're free to obey. And that's just a very simple example right now of something silly um, in the scheme of things, in the scheme of eternity and the kingdom. Uh, now look back, uh, verse, well, more on verse one and two. So why are we in submission to these authorities? Because God has put them there. That is, this is a, another concept that's very interesting. God has put these leaders in their place. You know, if you resist, verse 2, you resist the authority, you're resisting what God has appointed. This is kind of a pretty deep truth, meaning there are no authorities out there that God hasn't allowed to be there and, and even appointed. And, and if you think about that, you think of some very evil governments throughout history, and you're like, oh, how, how do you grapple with God appointed that or God allowed that. And there is somewhat of a, a tension there. You know, are we responsible for our choices? Absolutely. So here's kind of a, this tension between our freedom and God's sovereignty. And, and here we see God's in control. In fact, in the book of Habakkuk, uh, you see this prophet having a conversation with God. Uh, you know, and, and God said, or Habakkuk is like, look at all this evil among your people, Israel. God says, yep, a lot of evil, and I'm going to judge them. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm going to send the Chaldeans to judge my people, to deal with this. He's like, but they're even worse. You know, they're even more evil and vile. He said, yeah, it's true. I'm raising them up to deal with this, and then I'm going to judge them for that. So you might ask, well, God made them do it, so how's it? It doesn't work that way. You know, they have the freedom. Again, you see that with Pharaoh. God used Pharaoh. It says he hardened his heart. 
Pharaoh's heart was already hardened. It, you know, so, so we can wrestle with the tension, but the fact is God's in control and we can trust him. You know, we can trust him with these authorities. One of the things that I've been thinking about just this morning as I've wrestled through this is if we're going to choose to disobey the government and, and disobey what God says, is it because we don't trust God enough? Is it like we look at what God says, we're like, yeah, but God, this situation's different. Yeah, God, but you need my help. I'm going to disobey you now, but trust me, God, I know what I'm doing. This is going to be good for you. It, you know, that, you say that out loud, it's like, that's kind of silly. Uh, God's in control. God has all the authority. He has, and we can just trust him. And again, even with these, these authorities, he's put them in place. And again, we are in a great position, even currently in our country, but things are changing. Uh, and they might get worse. And what are we going to do with that? Now look at verse 3. For rulers, and again, he, he's just now talking more the principle of, of governments. Uh, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. This is in your notes. In general, government is a good gift from God. It is. Think about that. Government is a good gift from God. Without government, what do we have? Anarchy. You know, you see in the Old Testament, the, the quote in Judges, there was no king in Israel, and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And then you see all these stories of just the horrible things people did. Government is actually a good gift from God. When Noah stepped off the ark, God gave him even some instructions that would even pertain to government. Government's a good gift. Uh, you, you know, law enforcement, I know that's a big deal right now. It's a good gift. You know, in general, that we are as safe as we are, you know, that we have the things that we have. So government is a good gift. And so he says, do what is right. You know, live in obedience. And now I would say this is a general principle. You know, speeding. You know, if you're going to go out and disobey the, the speed limit, like I was this morning driving here a little bit, it's like, yeah, I better slow. You know, if I got pulled over and got a ticket, that's what I would deserve. If I want to avoid that judgment, drive the speed limit. You know, kind of the, the same way. Again, what about the times when we can't obey? We'll, we'll get to that. But in general, government's a good gift from God. Now look at verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection, he keeps using that darn word, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So again, the, the governing authorities that God has put in place has the responsibility um, to, to judge. They have the responsibility to, to whatever courts, whatever the system is, you, you stole, here it is, you know, do this. So God's wrath comes through those governing authorities, ideally to keep order and put it in right. But here's what sticks out to me. But also for the sake of conscience. You know, what, what does that mean? And I actually spent quite a bit of time wrestling through that. What does that mean? What did Paul mean that to mean when he wrote it? And I think, and most you know, commentators reading this would agree, the idea there is that we as Jesus followers know the truth. We have the Bible. We have the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And his spirit in us convicts of sin and points the right way. So for us, when it comes to say this mask thing, guess what? We know what's right. But, you know, we have what the Bible says, so for the sake of conscience, we obey. If we 
uh, stiffen our neck and, and if we rebel and go against it, we know in our hearts that's not what God has for us. Don't we? You know, we, we know. And if you didn't, now you do. Because this is, this is written to those who would read it, and so we're, we're reading it. So now we, we know, we have this idea, and our conscience, you know, we submit to God. It, it, it'll tell us, the Holy Spirit in us will help us understand and go the right way. So we submit for the sake of conscience. And we submit to government because we've already submitted to Jesus. Do you see that, that theme? We are so free as believers to just trust him and just submit. Now, verse 6 and 7 talks about taxes. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God. He keeps saying that too. Attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. We pay our taxes. Uh, Jesus would say the same thing in Mark 12, 17. Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. What, what about when our taxes are used for evil things? It doesn't, we don't, it doesn't say to make those judgments. What about when our taxes are going to schools that have an agenda to basically pull our kids away from family and away from God? It doesn't say pay the taxes when you agree with how the money is used. You know, there in Rome, I, I mean, imagine being somebody that was all about animals back then. You know, they, they, I think they put several uh, species extinct because of the Colosseum. You know, and taxes were going to them, you know, going to Great Britain and gathering all the bears and bringing them back and killing. We don't, we don't have to make those. Again, we're free to just pay our taxes. That's what he's telling us. And how can we do this? Because we know that the answer to the world's problems is not government. Nations have, have risen, nations have fallen, governments rise, governments fall, parties rise, parties fall. But what's consistent? I mean, that song we were just singing, God is consistent. God doesn't change. God is at work. God has a plan, and he, he actually knows what he's doing. He, he's been doing it for a while. We, we can trust him. The answer to the world's problems is not government, it's not the state, it's Jesus. What's our great problem? It's sin that has separated us from God. The answer to that is only one thing. Jesus' death on the cross, rising from the dead, and then him wanting to reconcile people back to the Father through what he did. That's the answer. You've got marriage problems. Yeah, there's things we can work on it. But start, you submit to Jesus, that's where you start. What other addictions do we have? You know, struggling with this or that, where does it start? The answer, I mean, there's a sin problem. The answer is submit to Jesus, start there. And now we can say that sounds so easy. It's, it's not that easy, and we admit that. And that's why we get together and we work on this. But the answer is Jesus. The answer is not who's going to win the next presidential election. You know, the answer is not overthrowing this or, or rebelling. It, the answer is Jesus. And so we are so free to have hope. We know how the story ends. God wins. We also, as you read through, we also know a little bit probably what's coming. It might get worse for us. But guess what? God wins. You know, look at the apostles, all of them, all of them except for probably John were murdered for following Jesus. So we, we know the end, we know the story, and we know that government is not the answer, so we are to stop placing faith in government. Again, you know, I'm not on Facebook much, and rightly so, <laughs> but, but I, I hear some people will say, man, did you read this or did you read that? And we rant and rave on there about political issues 
My question is, are we representing Jesus when we're doing these things? Or when we're having discussions, are we representing Jesus? Are we showing that our hope is in him? Or are we scared to death that something government is going to come against us? You know, and we can place our faith in government. Hey, let's change the Supreme Court. Guess what? Didn't work. <laughs> you know, they still make rulings. Because our hope isn't there. And we should see that and go, yep. Yeah, we, we know that's going to happen. Our hope is not there. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity wrote this, and I, this is so right on. And if you've never read Mere Christianity, you need to read it. But he says this. To spend your time altering the state when you could be offering people eternal salvation is a bad bargain. To abandon the message that gives life to the eternal soul in favor of temporal change prostitutes the purpose of a believer's life. That would be like a heart surgeon abandoning his life-saving practice to become a makeup artist. The church needs to use all its power and resources to bring men and women to energy into kingdom work, knowing that's a kingdom that's going to last. Jesus is going to return. He's going to set up his reign and rule, and it's going to be rad. Uh, if you're young, rad means really, really awesome. It's going to be great. Now, here's a question that we haven't asked yet. Is there a time to disobey? When do we disobey? In Acts 5, you see this is after Jesus rose from the dead. You see Peter and some of the other apostles preaching in the name of Jesus. They're arrested and they're brought, and they're said, stop teaching in the name of Jesus. And what do they say? They say, we must obey God rather than men. When we are called to disobey God, we won't do that. You know, when we're told to do things or to not do things, we're going to choose to obey God. But submission means we do it with the right heart. We're not flaunting it. You know, we're not flaunting our rebellion, but we obey God. And in this story in Acts, this is so perfect for us. They, they said, we will obey God rather than men. Again, when we choose, when the choice is between obeying God or authorities, we choose God. But later in that story, Acts 5, 40 to 42 says this. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. If we must disobey government to glorify God, then we gladly suffer the consequences. This is hard for us Americans and our rights. I'll be totally honest. We have a constitution. We have our rights. Well, guess what? As Christians here, what did they do? They were beaten for it. And, and how did they respond? That's not fair. That's against our rights. Let's go riot. Let's go petition. No. They went away going, yes. God saw our faith strong enough to let us go through that. Yes. And then they continued preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. When it's time for us to disobey the government and obey God, we do it and we take the consequences. Weird. That, 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 that makes our American hearts not comfortable because it's, it, we want to be about our rights. So I just want to end with this. Again, our hope is in Jesus. You know, if, if you're watching this online, I think it's the next one that's, that's recorded. But if you're listening to this or you're here and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, if you don't have the hope that I'm talking about, submit to Jesus. Romans 10, 9. 
If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then you get to receive all the promises that we have in the New Testament. One of those being that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good might not fit our definition. It might not mean health, wealth, prosperity. It might not mean those things. But it works for good for what God has planned, which is ultimately our good as well. Where if we can suffer, man alive, this is my, this is my dream, that when this time of persecution comes, we're ready. And there's actually a piece of our hearts that's like, we're, we're ready. Because the church historically grows under persecution. It does. The church grows, it gets stronger, it does better under persecution. Why? Several reasons. Uh, it, it calls the herd a little bit. Those who are just Christians by name abandon it immediately. And then the rest get to practice their faith. And when faith is practiced, it grows. And so there's a part of me that looks forward to that day. Sorry. But the day when our faith, the rubber's going to meet the road. And what are we going to do? Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be ready? Because we can trust God through all of it. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that we can trust you. I thank you, thank you, thank you uh, that the government's not stronger than you. Any government. God, we can look through history. There have been very evil governments throughout history. But God, none of them ever thwarted what you were doing. I thank you that we can trust you. And God, I pray for our hearts, those in the room, those listening to the record, I pray for our hearts that, that you would stir our hearts in submission to you, in love to you. God, you, you thought we were so worth it that you took on flesh and died for us. There's no reason for us to think you would abandon us now or you wouldn't walk through these times with us. God, I pray that we would have hearts of, of submission, of obedience, of joy in you and the things that you would do regardless of our circumstances. God, stir our hearts and fill us with the joy. I thank you that right now we can be here. We can worship. Even though it's limited, even though there's masks, we still can worship. And I, and I pray that now as we sing, our voices truly would be a fragrant aroma to you in response because you're worth it and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you need prayer, I'm going to be in the back. Uh, come and, and I'll pray with you. Let's worship.